It's Monday, May 31st, Memorial Day. Y'all out there outside turning up? I'm in here getting this done. It's episode 77 of The Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. Lot to talk about. I don't even know where to start. I'm going to kind of just skip around here because so much has happened since the last episode. I guess we'll start in South Beach, where you can officially say, rest in peace, Miami Heat, or at least this version, right? We're no longer going to see this version of the Heat. The bubble Heat are dead. I think we're going to see a huge roster turnover. The question is, do you still build around Jimmy Butler? Or do you move him and go young? Is Bam the all-star we think he is? I don't know. You can't overreact to one playoff, right? But it looked bad. It looked ugly. You have to go young, right? I, I just don't know if Jimmy Butler, when you consider his playing style, his age, his durability, can you still build a contender around Jimmy right now? Are you locked into him? There's just so many questions that I have. This might be the oldest roster in the league, right? I don't know. Maybe Hero and Bam balance out the average, but I mean, Drogic, Igadala, Ariza, Deadman looks like that 50-year-old nigga that can still hoop, right? Got the Reebok pumps on and shit. So I'm just real curious to see what direction the Heat go in. They're like at a crossroads here. Are you going to build around Hero and Bam, or are you going to retool around Jimmy? I don't know. I guess you can do both. That's just not Pat Riley's style, right? He's an all-in type of guy. So it's going to be a very interesting offseason for this Heat team. And I expect huge change to the roster. And look, as far as the Bucks go, I said it last week. I think they should be the favorite in the East right now. Again, you got to stay healthy. Already lost DiVincenzo, some sort of tear in his foot. I told you I'll be wary of the contusion reports. And my guy was telling me, what a, I, I know what a contusion is, but I don't know what a contusion is when an NBA team says it, because it's like, oh, is that what it is? Is that what it is? I don't know, because it always seems to change into something else. Anyway, DiVincenzo, that is, you know, that's a tough blow. I think they have enough depth to overcome that, but they can't lose another rotation guy. They got, if, if they can, they can stay relatively healthy here. I think their size, their physicality and their experience playing together, they should be the favorite in the East right now. Knicks and Hawks. As expected, a lot of juice in the A Friday night. New York, all, all that juice and all everything y'all brought to the garden, your boys had to go down and face that in Atlanta. And so, okay, fine. They kind of got smoked. I think that that was almost a scheduled loss, understanding the context around how the series was playing out. But then they come out yesterday and get rolled again. And so now you see Atlanta sitting up 3-1. However, I would still bet big on the Knicks in game five in the garden. Right? Game five, elimination game in the garden. I have a hard time seeing the Knicks losing that game. I don't care what percentage Julius Randle shoots. But I think after emptying the tank in game five in New York, they go back down to Atlanta and get polished off by the better team, the Hawks. Couple of questions. Why haven't the Knicks attacked Trey defensively more? Is that a Tibbs thing? Like, look, we know he's a defensive coach, but I mean, I don't know. You know, sometimes it's just like, you outthink yourself. Just go with the five foot 11, 175 pound dude. I don't know. That, you know, I think that jumps out to everybody. And then maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but Knicks fans, 
do you accept Julius Randle as a number two option? Is that how you're going to justify this? Or do you believe he can learn from this experience and he still can be your number one guy on a contending team? Because he's not 22 or 23 years old. This isn't Donovan Mitchell or Jason Tatum here where you're like, all right, well, this is the trajectory, right? Julius Randle will be 27 years old. So perhaps he may have reached his ceiling. And look, that's a, look, he had an amazing season. That's fine. But you're seeing here in the playoffs, it's a little, a little different. Maybe some of you will just say styles make fights. And the Hawks just have his number. Clint Capella, John Collins, not really known as a defender, but Clint Capella, one of the more underrated seasons for anybody this year. That should be an award, underrated season. Back to Julius Randle here. Most improved player and then just fizzles out and just awfully inefficient in this series here. And I think the reality, I think most objective fans will say, yeah, he's got to be your number two guy, right? You got to go get a number one option. I saw a list of the award for most improved. It looks like they got a little Madden cover curse going on with that award, man. Let me, let me read you some of these names. Last year, Brandon Ingram, down year. The year before that, Pascal Siakam, Victor Oladipo, Ryan Anderson, Aaron Brooks, Danny Granger, Bobby Simmons, right? There, there's a handful of these guys here. Giannis won it, right? And CJ McCollum, Jimmy Butler. But if you look, there's a good percentage. It's been, it, the award's been around for 22 years. It seems like when someone wins that, it's almost, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to give the dude no excuses, but I'm also not going to, I'm not going to look at this one playoff experience and write him off and say that everything he accomplished in the regular season was Fugazi because that's not the case. You know, the Knicks, it's no secret. Even if Randall performed well, they were still going to be in the hunt for a true number one option. That's the reality of the situation here. But Nick fans, it was a good season, an entertaining season. You've run into a team that's just better than y'all and it's helped expose your limitations and holes in the roster. Not enough offense. Now, on the other side of things, Trey Young is proving to be a franchise player, a true lead guard. And it's funny because, you know, I think Bill Simmons started this. He, he called the Luca Trey trade the worst trade of all time. And a lot of people, you know, kind of got on his back with that and agreed, co-signed it. Yeah, that's the worst trade ever. How, how could you do that? But you look at where they stand today, I don't know. Besides some girth and a thicker head of hair, looks pretty even to me. I don't know, right? I mean, when you look at where their teams sit, Trey's about to head to the second round. Meanwhile, Luka is ailing and on the ropes. I'm not sitting here saying you take Trey over Luka, but it's not as far of a gap as people have made it out to be. Let's move into this Clippers-Mavericks series. We all did it, right? I know I'm guilty of it. We all started to celebrate the demise of the Clippers too soon. I'll tell you what, though. Watching the offense in this series, as well as the Nets, I'm starting to think that old adage, defense wins championships, is no longer going to ring true in the next decade. I mean... You, can, can you still have a one-tool defensive specialist on the floor? Because the level of shot making now, it's so crazy, it doesn't really matter. You can't, uh, what's the point in having a lockdown guy out there? You're, you have to have a guy that can match buckets. That's where it seems like we're headed. It really does. I told Ty Lue 
you, you got to start Batum. It took him till game four, but he finally did it, and you saw the results. The funny thing was you saw Rick Carlisle counter with Boban to try to force Zoo back on the floor, right? What does that tell you? That tells you they want Zoo on the floor. They're giddy when they see Zoo out there for 25, 30 minutes. And so the fact that it took until game four for Ty Lue to realize that, that's more than a red flag to me. It's funny, though. I saw a headline this morning. Luca will not blame nerve issue for terrible game. But all he did last night was let us know how much it was bothering him throughout. And more importantly, he let the Clippers know he was hurting and it was affecting him. And the more they were down, it seemed like the more Luca was hurt. So I, I get that it's part of his flair and who he is to have that big personality and all those emotions out there. But sometimes you've got to learn to play your cards a little closer to the vest, especially when you're trying to nurse something because showing weakness to the opponent, I don't know about that one now. Kawhi and PG, they did what they were expected to do. They did what they were expected to do. But we also saw the law of averages start to kick in in this series because Let's face it, the Mavericks were dumb hot. Tim Hardaway, I don't even think he was looking at the rim on half the threes he'd been making in this series. Like, they were dumb hot. And the Clippers, their others outside of Reggie Jackson had been cold. So you saw Marcus Morris and you saw this Clippers team, who, by the way, was the best three-point shooting team in the league in the regular season. Again, the averages started to come back to the, to the medium, to the normal. Now, obviously, if that injury is going to hamper him the rest of the series, it's a wrap. It goes without saying how dependent they are on him. What I'm curious to see is what type of killer instinct this Clippers team has, if any. Because there's blood in the water and they shouldn't let him up for air. But I have a feeling they will. I have a feeling they will, right? I mean, all I've ever seen from this Clippers team is spurts of being locked in, right? We, they, they don't, it's just spurts. Like how quickly... Do the Clippers revert back to their baseline of just, hey, we're the Clippers, we're good, we're just going to play normal basketball, right? Because they could they could show up in, in game five looking that way, right? 2-2, two, two, game five, like, I don't know. They, I don't know how much dog is in this team, but we'll see. I'm curious. Uh, I'd take the Clippers in seven, but as you know, I'd also love to see them go down in flame, so maybe that's a jinx. Moving on to this Boston-Brooklyn series, I want to acknowledge Tatum's 50-piece Friday night. Got to acknowledge it. It's performances like that that make you think he's next, right? He's the next dominant scorer in this league when you see something like that as, you know, KD and the Stephs and, and the Hardens, as those guys enter their twilight years. Tatum is kind of going to be that guy. Tatum, Luka, uh, you know, Ja, that... The league's in good hands, but Tatum, I think because of his size, and again, when you see the way he can drop 50 like that, he's got to be atop the totem pole as far as, again, the next elite score. Maybe not the best player, the best score. And I know Marcus Smart also was big in that win that they got Friday. Very spirited effort as always. But you know what I realized is I don't want him on my Warriors. I'm sorry. I'm sick of watching him play, and I don't even watch Boston like that. Like the flopping, the reckless plays around people's feet and knees, the wild shots. I'm good. I'm good off Marcus Smart. And frankly, I could see where if you're a Celtics fan, 
you're tired of the antics as well. It's, it's just too much sometimes. It's, it's, it's too much. Unfortunately, though, the story in this series really isn't about hoops, is it? Kyrie comes out and was talking about the racism that he's experienced while he was in Boston. Kendrick Perkins goes on ESPN talking about he's never heard any racist stuff when he played there. Kendrick Perkins sounds like that Uncle Tom nigga from the boondocks, right? But then, I'm not even, I don't even care. Ken, nothing Kendrick Perkins says can offend me or surprise me because, again, carry on. But then, Danny Ainge, he has to have more tact than that, right? Like, Danny Ainge can't come out and say he's never heard or seen anything racist. Like, that's not for him to say. And he's foolish for thinking his word means anything in this situation. In fact, in my eyes, it almost makes him look worse. Like, come on now, bro. Like this, just lay low. This isn't for you to speak on. So then in a game yesterday where the Celtics didn't have Kemba, bruised knee, Brooklyn easily handles them. It wasn't a competitive game. And the Nets, they're feeling good about themselves. You can tell. But much like that Buck series, how much of it is playing a broken team? And then I'm sure most of you have seen it by now. Some kid throws a water bottle at Kyrie. The thing about it is, this may sound crazy, but it the kid, it, it was probably worth it to him, right? He probably thinks it was worth it to him. He's all over social media. He'll never get this much exposure in his life, right? It was probably worth a rack and some community service. I'm not saying it's all right and, and you know, it's fine. I'm just saying, you know, this... I think the problem with it is, is the exposure and in, in the focus on the fans in these interactions, some dumb knuckleheads, they're going to just chase the exposure and the fame of it. The, the 15 seconds of fame, it's going to be worth it to some of these idiots. And then you see Kyrie very deliberately and clearly stomp on the leprechaun at half court. I fuck with it. I'm rocking with Kai on this one. One, because we already know the history of that city, and I've just heard it so many other times. And then two, the longest tenured Celtic, Mr. Ride or Die himself, Marcus Smart, co-signed what Kyrie was saying. And so now, Boston, you have a problem. You have a problem. Let's see how many players moving forward are going to want to be a part of that organization in that city. Because you do realize this generation of Hooper coming up now, they all idolize Kyrie. He's their Kobe. So good luck with that, Danny Ainge. I turn on Denver, Portland. When was it? Saturday evening? And Austin Rivers is bleeding from his cheeks. Yo, I'm serious. Can you imagine getting that text off to Doc like, hey, better turn on the game. Austin's bleeding from his butt. <laughs> no, no, man, I, I've never seen anything like that. It was a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a, a road rash, like a cherry when you skid across the court, right? And you, and you get a burn, like a floor burn. But I guess it was like on its butt cheek and he, and he was pulling down his shorts. Like, look, I'm bleeding. It was bleeding through the shorts. I was like, damn, I don't know. I've never seen it. I've never seen it in that area. It's always on the knees or the elbows, right? Maybe a shoulder. Katie has one on the shoulder right now. But look, I feel like I've seen this Denver Portland matchup more than any other across the league, right? It's going to go to seven, just like it has every time they've met in the playoffs. And as banged up as Denver is, you got to like them at home in a game seven, right? But then 
I remember Dame and CJ have already knocked out Denver in a game seven in Denver. So I guess what I'm trying to say is who knows? It's going to be a back and forth, very competitive series. You saw a rare dud from Jokic on Saturday in Denver. That was the least competitive, I believe, of all four of the games. And here we sit 2-2 as expected. Lakers' sons, Monty Williams sticking with Jay Crowder throughout his struggles in this series. And I guess he doesn't really have any other options. When you look at the roster, he's the veteran. You can't go away from him. So they were just going to wait him out, right? But the way he was missing, like Jay Crowder was missing three so bad, they were like live ball turnovers. They were literally sending the Lakers on fast breaks. He was missing so bad. But again, the Suns waited him out, knowing inevitably he was going to get hot, and he eventually got going in this game. No KCP, strained knee or something. It was a contusion, and then it wasn't. Book has to go to work, right? KCP had been the guy that had really been giving him fits. And to be clear, I guess, you know, the Lakers team defense has been affecting him. But I still thought Booker wasn't looking for his shot enough, at least to start the game. It was the same scenario. So I don't know about that. I'll talk more about that in the breakdown. And then about a minute to go in the half, down goes Anthony Davis. I'm tired of talking about it. I feel guilty to say I told you so and stuff like that. But I mean, who, who, everybody sees it coming right at this point. And it, it, it just, it's whack, man. It's whack. I get it again. You got to tape your knee up. You got to go play. It's the playoffs. I feel like I've said this over and over again with him as far as hitting the ground too much. But, you know, the body is a chain. And when you have a weak link in the chain, it all starts to break down. And so it, it's a left groin on the same side as that left spraying knee. And you know, the thing with the groin is, I, I I got news for you Laker fans, like, he's done for the series. He may try to go, but if he truly has like a, a full, what do you want to call it, a grade two strain, where it's like a legit strain in that groin, you can't play through a strain groin. You could try through a hammy, right, or lower back spasms or a sore knee, an ankle. You can, literally cannot go with a strain groin because you can't move laterally at all. You can't even get into a stance. So second half, no Anthony Davis. Everybody was making a big deal about LeBron, you know, not hustling back late in that game. Here's the thing about LeBron. I've watched his whole career, like a lot of you have. And you know this to be true. If he knows, like, that he really ain't got a chance, he's going to pack it in. If he looks around at at the guys he's got and he's like, man, we really can't do nothing with this, he's going to pack it in. Now, Maybe a prime LeBron looks at this Lakers squad minus AD and he goes, get on my back. Not old man version, Bron. You know? And look, I think we've all felt it as an athlete. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm one of those Russ or Dame type of athletes that just doesn't get discouraged. I just keep going regardless. Now, I don't dog it. I'm not, I, don't, I don't dog it to the point where I just give up. But I am not going to sit here in front like I haven't felt that well. What's the point shit? It takes some of your juice. When, when you're getting rolled and things are going against you or you lose some main players and you take a look at the other team and you kind of realize if we, we can't compete against these guys, it takes your juice, point blank. And, and that's not even to say that the Lakers can't get past the Suns. I think it's more of a big picture issue. If LeBron looks at AD falling apart in front of his eyes, he knows ultimately that they're going to get outsed in this playoffs, whether it's against the Suns or in the next round. And hence, you start to see LeBron take his foot off the pedal. 
Again, that's just who he is. He's not one of those go hard all the time guys. In fact, LeBron's probably the most calculated star player I've ever seen play. Second half, no Anthony Davis, you saw dominate. DeAndre Ayton has no respect for Andre Drummond. Put him on his butt several times. You, you could see the Suns confidence pick up with no Anthony Davis in the paint. It was huge. Now, the numbers crowd is going to focus on the pace, the pace. Well, the pace of the game, the pace. That's cool. That's cool. But let's not kid ourselves. It was just as much the personnel. You take Anthony Davis and KCP off the floor. You could argue maybe they're two best defenders. Probably. Caruso's as good as KCP. But uh, you take two of their three best defenders off the floor. Yeah, the Suns are going to look better. Pace or not. And then, as the Lakers look more and more banged up, oh yeah, Chris Paul's feeling better. Chris Paul's getting back to that little mid-range jumper. I said it Friday, the Lakers are leaking oil, and now there's a big-ass puddle. Now, now the Suns think they can win this series. It'll be interesting to see, again, LeBron at this stage in his career, if he feels like it's worth it to save the day in this round. If, if he thinks AD can come back here shortly for like round two and be good, then maybe we'll see LeBron one more time put that cape on and just will this Lakers team through the Suns team. But I think there's just as much a chance that LeBron looks around and says, well, AD, he might not be right the rest of this playoffs. Shit, I'm not going to be right the rest of these playoffs. I might as well just extend my offseason. This is The Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, y'all.